that's a part of just coming together as the body of Christ. There's a, but there's a strengthening right now. So I just, it's been happening all service. But Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for that word from Brian, Lord God. Thank you for your strengthening presence in this place, Lord. I thank you that you strengthen us by your spirit and our inner man according to your riches and glory. I thank you, Father, that you'd reveal Jesus in this place today. I thank you, Lord, that you'd just give wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. Let, let, let the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. Let us see who He is. Let us see who we are in Him. Lord, I just thank You for that. We thank You for that. We thank You for that strengthening power of Your grace. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, I've got a couple of announcements here this morning. And so we're, we're going to, we're kind of in the process of making some, some changes, um, some good changes and trying to, you know, return to more of an element of normalcy. So um, we're going to, we're going to be starting back children's church and um, we, yeah, we've taken a long break from that and we're going to be starting that back. And so it'll, that'll be for 12 and under um, kids will be with their families during worship but then after worship, uh, they will, will go to children's church. Um, we, do, we, we are going to have strict guidelines. Uh, we'll have like a questionnaire. Uh, we're going to take their temperature. We're going we're gonna to cross all our T's and dot all our I's and you know, just kind of do the right thing. Um, and, then, um, and then if you have any questions, um, ask Angie Kenley. And so Angie, do you have anything you want to add to that? Did I cover everything? Or? Yes, you did. Um, the only thing I want to ask is... Uh-huh. Yeah, that's good. Here, please. Yeah, come back with your child, and, you know, we're just a series of questions I'm sure that we're very used to. I know it was very loud. Usually I have to hold it right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, and then we're going to ask for you to sign your child in, and okay. they need to wash their hands. So we're going to take their temperature, we'll ask the parent the question, the kid's going to, you know, wash their hands, and then we'll go upstairs or nursery or wherever. Okay. So the nursery's open. Yeah. We're going to have, we have it scheduled, you know, it's me and baby and Teresa. Yeah. And so between the three of us for now, you know, we're going to switch out and we'll have someone upstairs and someone downstairs. Awesome. Awesome. And if it's sunny outside and above 65 degrees and I'm teaching, we're outside. <laughs> <laughs> Bring a jacket. Amen. Cool. Awesome. So thank you. And then, so we, we want to start restoring like our fellowships. We want to be able to, ha you know, to eat yeah. again spend time together, and uh, we'll probably do it in a picnic format. I mean, we got this beautiful property. We'll do it outside. Um, and then another thing that we're looking to do is we want to, we've talked about this for a long time, but I think we're at the place where we're ready to do it. We want to pour a, um, a pad of concrete out here um, so the kids can have a half-court basketball court, and then we're going to pour it probably right over here next to the playground, either on the left or on the right or, or, or behind. Um, and so one of the guys that's involved with Revive Ministries down there in Nicholsville, he actually has a, a concrete company. And so he, he gave us a really good quote. And, uh, and so they, you know, they, they really blessed us and honored us. And so that's what we're going to do within the next few weeks. And so it's going to be about $4,000 um, to, to pour the concrete pad. But it'll give the kids a place where, they, I mean, the kids can't really play basketball up here. You know, I mean, it's, it's hard for them. They can potentially get hurt. Balls flying everywhere. Um, and then we have the, they have the basketball goal. Um, we have the glass that we can repair. and all. We already have all of that. We just need to put it together. And they will actually put the goal in the concrete for us. 
Um, and then we can also turn it into a pickleball court as well, which will, which will please Paul Bredberg tremendously. <laughs> we may get Paul back to church if we have a pickleball court, you know what I'm saying? So, um, so anyway, so yeah, I just, it was dropped in my heart to do it. Um, you know, I know that we, we thought about what we were going to do for a long time, but it was real. I know the Lord unctioned it. So anyway, so we're going to be doing that in the next few weeks. If you'd like to give into that, um, just put concrete on, the, uh, on your offering, uh, put it in the little memo. Those of you that are watching online, you guys can give into that as well, gracepointgeorgetown.com, and just put concrete in the giving, um, and we will put that towards that basketball court. And then uh, we're going to have an Easter egg hunt next Sunday, or not next Sunday, but on Easter, um, and we'll do it right after church at 1 o'clock. And, uh, you know, the, the cool thing about this big property is once it gets warm, we can be outside, you know, and uh, it's a blessing, and it'll be a blessing to us and a blessing in terms of fellowship. So these are some things that are happening and going on. And just wanted to let you guys know and be aware of that. So with that, let's turn to Matthew chapter 13. And um, did you? Oh, okay. Amen. Um, yeah. Yeah, bring eggs and candy. Yes, for sure. Yeah, probably. My wife probably told me to say that and I forgot, I'm sure. Yeah, bring eggs and candy for the kids. It'll be fun. What's that? Out there in the building? Okay, cool. Amen. Well, if we do, then we'll get those too. Um, Matthew chapter 13. You know, you know we, we live in a world that's um, constantly trying to draw our attention and get our focus. You know, everything um, is demanding your attention and demanding that, you know, you pay attention to it and it is the most important thing. And um, so many things are like that. I mean, we live in an age where, you know, there's tons of advertising. Everything's trying to get your attention. Everything's trying to get your focus. Everything's trying to get your time. Um, and then we all have challenges too, right? Anybody have any challenges in this place this morning? Praise God. We all do, right? It's a part of being on earth. And so there's, the, the, there's always a hit towards uh, what our priorities are what our priorities are. Everything's trying to say, you know, well, I'm the most important thing. No, I'm the most important thing. I'm the most important thing. And um, really and truly, you, you live your life by what you prioritize. You know, internally right now, everybody in here has priorities. Whether you're aware of them or not, you, you literally have a list of what's most important to you. Um, and it's always like that. And... Um, because you have things that you focus on, you have things that are important to you. And really, when, when our priorities are right, things flow smoothly or smoother. But when our priorities are off and we're taking something and making it more important than something should be, then things get off. I mean, you know, uh, and when something becomes a number one priority in your life other than God, it becomes an idol. Um, it becomes something that is exalted to a position of being more important than God. Um, and we don't want that. That's not how we're designed. That's not how we're created. Um, now, if your priorities are off this morning and you've got things that are more important than God in your life, I mean, oh, God still loves you and He's still for you. Um, but when we're not aligned properly, how many know we don't function properly? And what I have found that, that, that life is a series of adjustments. You know, just like when I drove here today, you ever seen the movie Tron? <laughs> I didn't zzz, zzz, I mean, it wasn't like straight lines. How I many you know as I drove here, as you drove here, it was a series of adjustments. Well, your life's the same way. 
and your priorities are the same way, and the enemy wants something in your life to be more important than God. And the enemy wants to try to create an idol. He wants to create... How many know an idol will not save you? How many know you have to carry an idol? You know, idols have to be carried. And so what they do is they draw... Uh, they, they, they remove strength from you. They make you tired. Um, how many know an idol can't help you? It can't save you. It can't feed you. you got to feed it, you know? And, um, and so the enemy's always trying to make something more important than God. Um, and a lot of times, I would say one of the primary things that he tries to make more important to God is money. He always tries to make money like the most important thing. And, um, you know, in fact, so much so that Jesus talked about it. He said, you know, you can't serve God and mammon at the same time. Money can't be your number one priority and really hear and listen to what God's telling you to do. Um, and so we want to make sure that our priorities are, are, are right and our priorities are, are in line because when our priorities are in line, um, there's just a flow to life and there's an ease to life that's not there when our priorities are off. Have you ever seen an engine be off? Like uh, the engine itself be off and be misfiring? Have you ever drove a car that was like misfiring? It doesn't drive good. It's like, you know, it's like this. And when we, when our, in our heart, when the engine of our heart, when our priorities are off, we're misfiring. And a lot of times we don't realize it or we don't recognize it, but we're just trying to figure out, you know, why isn't there a flow? Why isn't this working? What's going on? And many times what happens is the priorities are off. And so uh, we want God to be number one in our life. Um, God is, he, 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 should, he should occupy that seat of being number one. Now, what's really important to understand is God is not the same thing as your church. Amen. How I many of you church is great? Praise God for church. We get to come together. We get to strengthen each other. During worship this morning, I felt the presence of the Lord come on me and strengthen me. And I needed it. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to be honest with you. I needed it. And I was so grateful. And it came on. He, his spirit came on me in a way that wouldn't have happened at my house. And I'm, I'm not trying to disregard it. Like me by myself is not the same with me with the body of Christ. I'm just being honest with you. And there's something special when we come together. And that's why he encourages us to do it. I know these are challenging times to do that. Uh, and I know that there are a lot of challenges that are there. But I'm just saying that there's something special that happens. And I personally, I needed that. Um, I needed that strengthening, and it, and it really helped me, and I was thankful for it. Um, and so, uh, I'm, I don't, where was I even going with that? What was I talking about? Jeez. Does anybody know? Help me out. I, what was it? Thank you. God and church are not the same. Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, okay. Amen. Amen. I just like, why did I even say that? Okay. I, I know now. Thank you for that. Praise God. Yes. Amen. There's a point, though. Um, uh, the church is not God. Can I get an amen? Like there are places where they, they teach you that the church is God and church should be number one in your life. And I don't believe that. I believe that, I mean, you know, God is more important than church and more important than a building. I mean, you know, you meet, you, 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 the reason we're having church is you brought God in here with you when you came. Can I get an amen? Yeah. And so that's an important thing to understand. And then, you know, ministry is different than Okay, number one thing in your life is receiving from God. Receiving. Not ministering, receiving. That's number one. That's more important than anything. And, you know, we, we have mistakenly thought that, that ministering was, was our relationship with God, and it's not. Um, you need, your number one thing in your life is you need to receive from God. And you need to re receive from God regularly. 
And um, how many know that He's never stopping the fountain for you? Like He is flowing 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. What tries to keep us from receiving is a sense of condemnation or unworthiness or whatever. But number one thing in your life is receiving from God. That's number one. Now, out of your receiving, then you can give. Then you can minister. Then you can be a blessing. But the number one thing in your life is your relationship with God. Not what you do for Him, but your relationship with Him. I mean, how many know when Martha was serving, Mary was receiving, Jesus um, said Mary was doing a great job, Martha was challenged, right? Jesus prioritized receiving greater than serving. Now, how many of y'all serving is important? But serving should come from receiving. Because I'm here to tell you right now, if I don't receive from God, I don't have anything to give. Like, I don't have anything to give that's of any value if I'm not receiving from Him. Amen? And so, in your priorities, your receiving is number one. Okay? And then out of that place comes everything else. And so, the Spirit of God will regularly tune up your priorities and make sure you don't have any idols. He'll do it regularly. He'll help you with that. Because a lot of times, you be carrying an idol and don't know that you have an idol. And you're trying to figure out what's wrong, what's this heaviness, what's going on. And what's happened is you've exalted something above your relationship with God. How I many of you can exalt a person above your relationship with God? You can. It's easy to do. It's easy to exalt a person above. I love my wife. I love my children. They're not more important to me than God is. See, because they're not. Because I can't be what they need without God. Not a chance. Not a chance. There's anything I've proven to myself is that without Him, I cannot do anything. I'm, I'm pretty solid on that. I've learned that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's a great, and it's a, good, it's a good place to be. And so, I'm, so He's more important to me than my wife. He's more important to me than my, than my children. Uh, because in order for me to be a good husband, I need Jesus. In order for me to be a good father, I need Jesus. In order for me to be a good minister, I need Jesus. He's number one. He's everything, right? But how many know you can have times in your life where people will try to be more important than the Lord? How many of you have times in your life when money can try to be more important than the Lord? How many of you have times in your life when a hobby can try to be more important than the Lord? Or, or, or a, a, um, a form of entertainment can be more important than the Lord? How many of you know it sneaks in like a weed, man? You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, this is, this is all right. And how many you know something can be okay and it can be innocent, but when it starts to consume all of your time, and then it becomes number one, and then you got this little side, you got like this little, how I many know oh, God should be the main dish, not a side dish? And everything's trying to be the main dish and make God the side dish. You know, I'm gonna take a, you know, a big, massive helping of this form of entertainment, and then I'll take a little, a little sprinkle, a little side dish of God on the side. You know, just to make sure that I'm okay. And, and God still loves you. He's still for you. But He knows that entertainment, it can't feed you. It can't sustain you. It can't give you life. And the challenge is, is the more you eat the worldly things, the more you develop a taste for them and an appetite for them, and the more the things of God become less palatable. They become less attractive. It's just how it works. And then we feed on it, feed on it, feed on it. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then God becomes a side dish, side dish, side dish. And then next thing you know, your priorities are off. We've managed to erect an idol. (laughs) We didn't realize it. We were just trying to get through quarantine. You know what I'm saying? 
Praise God. And, and then now our car's not running right. Our engine is misfiring and things are off. We don't understand where our peace is at and where our joy is at. And what's happened is Mark chapter 4 has happened. The, the cares of this life have come in and have choked the Word. And how many know that you, if you, unless you weed a garden, you cannot have fruit? And there are periods of time in your life where God's going to come in. He's going to weed stuff out of your... If you let Him. He'll never make you. He's not... He won't make you, but your circumstances can make you so miserable that you'll be willing to humble yourself and hear from the Lord. Hallelujah, don't ask me how I know. Hallelujah, don't ask me how I know. What do you think about that? Is that that all right? (laughs) Praise God. So, life is a series of adjustments, and we want to make sure that our priorities are in line with our relationship with Him because how many know He's given you richly all things to enjoy? How many know God wants you to enjoy your life? God wants to bless you. God's not trying to take things from you, but He's just like, you've got to keep me number one because if I'm number one, then everything functions properly. And when I become number two or number three or number eight, things aren't the way, they're, the way they need to be and you're, you're going to get into trouble, Okay. And so there is a simple readjustment, right? Now, Matthew chapter 13, and, and let's take a look at it here. We're still talking about the kingdom. I, I want to talk about something that has value. How I many you know when, when something has value, um, it's valuable, and you highly esteem it, and you consider it to be more important than something else? Right? When something has value. So let's look at this. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. It says, Again, the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid for joy over it. He goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So, right here, this guy, how many of you ever see those treasure hunting things? You know, they go out and do all the treasure hunting things. <clears throat> and, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll spend all their money to try to find the treasure. And, you know, the sunken treasure and finding the gold and all that type of stuff. We have all kinds of shows like that on now. But how many know that if they, if, they, they, if they spend all their money and they take all their resources, but they find the treasure, it was worth it? Because the treasure's worth more than everything they spent in order to get it. And right here, God is saying that my kingdom is more valuable than anything this world has to offer. It is the thing of greatest value. And then he goes on in, in, in another example, same chapter, he says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Once again, this is something of tremendous value, and it's worth whatever it takes to get it. Talking about the kingdom of God. Now, let's go back to this to just a touch of refresher on what the kingdom is. The the clearest definition of the kingdom is in Romans chapter 14. It says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not something external. It's not something outward. It's not an action. It's not a behavior. So many times everybody wants to think that rightness with God is based on a behavior. That's not the new covenant. It's not like that at all. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Okay? So... The, the righteousness is given to us as a gift. Amen. How many know that your, your right standing with God is not a behavior? 
How I many of you your right standing with God is now a person? Jesus is your righteousness, right? You have a new zip code. You live in a new place. You live in the righteousness of God. You're literally a prisoner of the righteousness of God. You cannot escape. <laughs> You're, it, that's right. Slaves to righteousness. You, you are in Christ. Nothing is going to pull you out of the Father's hands. Nothing's big enough. Nothing's strong enough. Nothing's great enough. Even you aren't strong enough. When Jesus cried out on the cross, it is finished. It put a nail. It, 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 what it did was it fulfilled the old covenant. It stripped the devil of all of his power. And then it, and then it, and it rent the curtain of, of the Holy of Holies. And the Lord God Almighty was unleashed upon all of mankind. And now, right standing with God is not the product of man's effort, but it's the simple, easy gift of Almighty God. What the Jews slave for for thousands of years, what much of modern day Christianity slaves for, is a free gift in Jesus Christ. Somebody walked in this church today, drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, crackhead, sitting on the front row smoking crack, could in a moment of time become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Just like that. Just as right as Jesus Christ is. Because that's the gift, right? So powerful, isn't it? Only God could do something like that. And... Um, and it's, it's the beauty of the kingdom. However, the news is so good that humanity struggled to believe it for several thousand years and to this day still struggles to believe it that man could be made right with God by faith in Jesus. But that is the kingdom. That is the foundation of the kingdom. That's the foundation of your Christianity. Everything that you build upon is based upon the fact of whether you believe that you're right with God or not. Yeah. And when you believe that you're right with God, you're not worried. When you don't believe that you're not right with God, you are worried. It, it, it is the litmus test of your faith. It's the foundation of everything that we are. And we spend so much time trying to build all of these things, and we got a foundation that shakes like this table does. You know what I'm saying? Like You can't build nothing on something that's shaking like this, but most people don't believe that they're right with God based upon Jesus Christ, and they spend their entire lives trying to establish their righteousness or establish their worth to be blessed or to receive from God, and it's all about them, that is a foundation that, that whatever you build on that is going to fall. And I'll be honest with you, whatever you build on that is not going to last. It's wood, it's hay, and it's stubble, and it will be burnt up. Because it's faithless. It doesn't honor the cross. We, we, we must, our found that we gotta, we got to know that we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus on our good days, on our bad days, every day. It's an eternal righteousness. Now, as you believe that, a peace comes into your heart. And you don't worry so much. Why? Because you're right with God. Because you're right with God. How could the disciples have so much confidence in a, in, in a land... Where people died regularly back in those days. What are you talking about? Well, somebody broke the law. Everybody would execute civil, you know, civil law. Like, you know, the woman caught in the act of adultery, there was no trial. There was no, they were gonna kill her right there. People died all the time in that culture. People died um, from from uh, from from throngs and from people all coming together, and and there was right people died all the time, but yet. Jesus and these 12 guys walked around tossing temple tables, walked around unafraid, walked around healing on the Sabbath, eating corn on the Sabbath, 
just absolute rebels in the society that they were in, and they weren't scared. You know why? Because Jesus was with them. I guarantee you there were moments when they were like, oh gosh, <laughs> what are we doing? But they could look over and see Jesus and be like, no, Jesus is with us, we're good. When the storm was coming, you know, when they were about to sink in the boat, they woke the Master up. Why? Because they knew He was the man. They knew He had all the power. And they woke Him up and He stilled the... He was, he was king. He walked in the earth as king. Everybody knew He was king. No one could resist it. No, the way he carried it, he was king. He carried himself differently. They constantly tried to get him to, to, to mix him up in his words. They constantly tried to catch him. They constantly tried to trap him. He just, he was like a Jedi, man. I mean, he just walked the earth, slipped right through everything until his time was up, and he's like, okay, I'm gonna lay my life down. And Pilate's like, aren't you afraid? And for Je I love it. Just for a moment, Jesus looks at him like, I'm going to call 12 legions of angels down. Legions. So, because of the presence of Jesus, the disciples were not afraid. Because of Jesus, he was there. Because you could see him. Right? You know, if you're, if you're going to get into some trouble and there's a scuffle, you know, and someone's coming against you, but you got a friend that's like, you know, six foot eight, 350 pounds, all muscle. Taekwondo, black belt, blah, 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 whatever. You're not going to be scared, right? You're going to be like, we got so-and-so with us, right? Because you could visibly see what you trust in and what brings you safety. The visible, tangible, five physical senses revelation of Jesus has been removed from the earth purposefully. What do you... I mean, you know, Jesus told me he's going to leave. And they're all wigged out. They're like, oh, you can't leave. He said, no, I'm sending another. I'm sending another. So now you can't physically see the Christ, but how many know this morning we met with him during worship? I felt him. Can't nobody take that from me. No amount of arguments, no amount of debate, no amount of you know, cancel culture or, or media attack against Jesus Christ. No one can take away from me the fact that I know the Spirit of God lives on the inside of me. No atheist can take that away from me. Nobody can take that away from me. Now, what's weird is, I can't just show them. I wish I could. I wish I could just be like... But how I many know it's not this visible thing? You can't just show them. And Jesus, you know, they were confused. They are like, how are you going to reveal yourself to, to us? And He was like, you know, you're going to be able to see Me, but the world's not going to be able to see Me. How I many know the kingdom is operating right under the world's nose? And the kingdom's not shaken, and the kingdom is not afraid, and the kingdom is continuing and flourishing. It doesn't have boundaries. It doesn't have racial division. It doesn't have political division. The kingdom is the kingdom is the kingdom is the kingdom. And we were, thank God, we were chosen to know Him. Amen. We, our eyes are open, and we know Him, and He's living on the inside of us. And so just as much confidence as you would have in the presence of Jesus physically with you, just like the disciples had, how much more now that you are the holy of holies? Amen. I mean, no, you're not coming to... And we didn't come here to this building because we had to come here to meet God. We came here so we could meet with each other because we all brought Christ with us when we came. We are the temple of the living God. Can I get an Amen. The reason the Holy Spirit can live on the inside of you is, is he, God has made you holy. God has cleansed you. Can I get an amen? 
This ain't the old covenant where the Spirit of God comes and goes. No, 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 no. He come, He moved into you, and He's not leaving. You are eternally united with Him. He's never going to leave. Because that's how powerful the cross was. And so now you may not be able to physically look over and see the Christ with your physical eyes, but now He's inside of you. And the same righteousness that He enjoyed with, as He displayed His confidence in the earth as King has been given to you and me as a gift. And if we would wake up to it, we wouldn't be worried. If we'd wake up to it, we wouldn't be ashamed. If we'd wake up to it, our faith would be strong. Amen. But we've heard, we've had, we've had so many years of, uh, of mixing of the covenants and teaching of, you know, are you right with God? Because the vast majority of the engine of Christianity actually questions the cross. It's so sad. It's so sad. Like, I, I, can, I can think of a time I was at a music festival. <sighs> Nothing bothers I don't think there's anything on earth that bothers me worse than this. <clears throat> and someone gets up on that stage, and they claim to be representing Jesus. <clears throat> and they are, ignorantly. Thousands of people here. And this person gets up and scares all these kids on whether they're saved or not. Spends the entire message causing them to question their salvation on whether they're saved or not. Taking all the attention and the focus off of Jesus and all the attention and the focus on them. And then there's this drummed up emotionalism and fear and tears. I'm working the prayer tents at this place. And all these children come into these tents scared they're not saved. When the only thing this minister did was take the foundation and crack it. Didn't build on it. Didn't strengthen it. Caused everyone to question whether, this, whether the cross was actually a success or not. That does not build the kingdom. Not God's kingdom. Now it builds man-made religion's kingdom and causes people to question their salvation. And you know what? You'll scare a 13-year-old into the tent. You'll scare them to throwing away some music or deleting an app, but it will not last. Yeah. It won't change them. It may give them a moment of repentance. But it's the goodness of God that leads you to genuine heart repentance. Heart repentance. So I'm spending... Now, granted, there are some people who get saved in that. Thank God for that. There are people who really get saved in that. But they're not the majority. So I'm, I'm spending the rest of my time, because you'd sit down in groups with these kids ministering to them, trying to convince these kids who are saved that they're still saved. Oh, man. Bugs me, man. <laughs> Bugs me. So, that's not the kingdom of God. And here's the thing. Let me say something else too. God's kingdom's not in danger right now. But you know what is in danger? Man's kingdom. Man-made religion. It's in danger. Yeah, it is. Good. <laughs> Good. Hey, man, the Bible says judgment's got to begin in the house of God. I want that. We want that. Yeah, we do. How many of for Jesus, you know, before, how many of Jesus cleanses the temple before he comes back? Toss the temple tables, bless God. Get the thieves out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, expose the hireling. Let it happen. Let it be so. Not because you're against an individual, but because there are precious people 
who are so preyed upon by people that, that claim to be ministers, but really all they do is bring doubt to the work of the cross. See, it's easy to manipulate insecure people. And a man-made religion will make everybody insecure. And their security is based upon the approval of the pastor. Yeah. And so they, so they clamber about competing against each other, pushing each other down, stabbing each other in the back, trying to be the biggest giver, the person that goes to church the most, the person that witnesses the most, the most, the most, the most, the most, the most. Slaves trying to earn the approval of a man to feel as though God loves them. Oh, and, and it's just not good. And that kingdom is in danger. Good. Good. See, it's different pastoring people who know who they are in Christ. It's different. You know, what, you know what it, what it, what's the difference in it? Well, the difference is, is that my part is to feed the bread of life and point people to Jesus and then trust that they have their own relationship with God and that they hear God for themselves. And you know what it looks like? It's a lot looser. It's a lot more hands-off. It's a lot, I trust you. You understand what I'm saying? And so I can't be freakishly in control. I would never want that. But that's what man-made religion is all about, control. No, no, no. The, the, the kingdom is, you point people to the Christ and you trust the Spirit of God to lead them and to teach them. Now there are times you give correction. How many of y'all have ever heard correction come out of my mouth? Straight from God for you personally. That's just how it works. And I'm probably even unaware of the fact that I'm delivering the mail. But that's the Lord, and that's the Spirit of God, and that's what the Spirit of God does. But pastoring mature people is different than, than babysitting people who are dependent upon the pastor's approval. Amen. And, 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 and it's very different. But it's good because there is an element of trust and freedom and actual maturity. Are you all tracking me here this morning? And so... The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and then joy as a result of being right with God and having peace with God. Amen. That's the kingdom. That's the clearest definition of the kingdom. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Now turn to Matthew chapter 6, and how many of y'all would like to be set free from worry? Never worry again. It'd be fabulous, wouldn't it? Well, there's a way out. There's a way out. And um, it's not the product of your willpower. How many of you know you can't willpower yourself free from anything for long? <laughs> you really can't. Um, and when it's just your willpower, then it's all you. And uh, Christianity is not a, a willpower event, it's actually a surrender. It's a surrender. When you feel pressure, you're not surrendering. That's what I've learned. When, you, when you're wigged out and you feel pressure, you're, 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 you've taken the wrong yoke upon yourself. It's not the easy, light yoke of Jesus, and you're trying to, you're trying to God things up. You're trying to be God. It, it is a surrender. I mean, in a place of surrender, there's trust. Trust brings rest. Amen? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first... The kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Going back to priorities again. 
What's your number one priority? Relationship with the Lord, the kingdom. Seek first His righteousness. So many times people think the problem is, well, I'm struggling with lust. Well, I'm struggling with lying. Well, I'm, I'm struggling with fear. Well, I'm, I'm struggling with distraction. And we try to put out all these little fires when the real issue is the foundation of your righteousness is what's being attacked. And if you'll go back to your righteousness, confess your righteousness, awake to the fact that you're righteous, all these little things will just fall off of your life because you're being set free as the product of your identity. Freedom comes from identity. If you're struggling with something, you've just forgotten who you are. And you've got to, you've got to re-embrace who you are in Christ so that that behavior, so that that temptation, so that that fear, so that that lie will drop off of you as you embrace the Christ. How I many know it's a continual receiving? If you look at it in the Greek, it's, it's that they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. It's a continual receiving. It's just like breathing. You need to be reminded that you're the righteousness of God. And you need, out of your mouth, out of your mouth, out of your mouth, out of your mouth. Amen. So, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. is your priority. And all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry. See, when you're established in righteousness... Worry starts to get starved out of your life. Let's look at it in the chapter. Go back to verse 25. Let's read that in context. This is Jesus speaking. And He ends it with, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. How many know in this chapter He's addressing priorities? Because most people are seeking after things. Stuff, clothes, food, stature. He's like, that's not it, folks. Don't seek after those things. Seek after me as your righteousness. Let's look at it in context. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. He says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry. <laughs> do not worry. Don't worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, inflation, gas prices. Don't worry. Don't worry. Worry doesn't look good on you as a child of God. Like, it don't fit. It's ill-fitting. That's why you don't like it so much. The, the children of darkness worry. Not the children of light. We shouldn't be worried. Now, not casting disparaging remarks towards them. How many of us have got a darkness in the light in just a moment? But a part of what our kingdom makes our kingdom so attractive is that we walk around trusting and are in a place of rest and confidence. Can I get an Amen. Legalism makes you the least confident person on earth. Oh, it makes me mad. This is what legalism this is, this is does. It's like taking a soldier, dropping him behind enemy lines where everybody hates him trying to kill him, and saying, we don't support you anymore, you're on your own. That's what legalism is. Because I mean, you know, as, a, as a believer, the world's against you. But then legalism convinces you that God's not for you either. So there you are. They, the world hates you and the church does too. <laughs> and God does too. And there you are. I mean, you are like, you are a lamb to the slaughter. Ugh. Men did not create the mixing of the covenants. It's a doctrine of devils. Because it, it literally robs the church of faith. 
and it, and it creates idolatry in the church. The pastor turns into somebody you worship. The leader turns into somebody you worship. And then it turns into a pyramid scheme and you ain't on top. No, it's evil. It, it, it robs the church of the reality of the finished work of the cross and it deifies people. People become the go-between between God and man. And so it's attractive for pastors because they want the, they want the money, they want the power, and they want, they want the control and the glory. And so they become a casualty as well as they embrace that doctrine of legalism. And then the people become a casualty. And then the kingdom is, not, is, not, is nowhere near there. Praise God. So as believers, we should be the most confident people in the world. Because we, we, we have a God. Can I get an amen? Who controls everything. Who owns everything. Who, who, who is who's creator of, of the universe. Amen? And He's for us. Amen? So, therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. Talking about the health of your body. What you will put on. He's encouraging them. He's like, your priorities are wrong. The reason you're worried is you're not seeking first the kingdom and His righteousness. And you're thinking about all this other stuff. You know, how are the stocks doing? How are, how's the world doing? How is the economy doing? How is the, you know, wars and rumors of wars, China and Russia and all that stuff? I mean, he that regards the clouds will not sow. You know, we, 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 we have to get our attention on something that's eternal and stable, and just do what God tells us to do. Amen? Just like pouring that concrete pad. That's what the Lord told me to do that. So, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't my idea. I mean, it's not, this isn't a good idea. This is something that's dropped in my heart. Of course, I you know, ran it by leadership and all that type of stuff, make sure everybody's on board, but it was like, just whoop, there it is. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> God, God help me. God help me. <laughs> It wasn't like that at all. It wasn't like that at all. Did I? Gosh, that's so bad. That's so bad. Jeremiah compared. I uh, know, right? Jeremiah compared the leading of the spirit this morning um, to a popular hip hop song from the late nineties. <laughs> no, whoop! No, it's not like that. Gosh, that's so bad. <laughs> Next time you get led by the Spirit. Oh, I'm not even going to walk down that road. There's this vast wealth of bad humor that I'm going to, I'm going to walk around. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just going to keep rolling. Praise God. Yeah, amen. Well said. Well said. Amen. Whoop, there it was. Yes! Okay. I'm going to start reading my Bible again. <laughs> I'm going to look here and I'm going to read. <laughs> oh, Lord. So, don't worry. Amen. <laughs> Please do. Please do. <laughs> that ever was, right? Amen. Amen. Um, so he says, Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? 
And then he, then he starts restoring a sense of value. Uh, because how many know that this world constantly tries to devalue you? And social media is one of the greatest avenues of the devaluing of the masses because it's constantly comparing yourself with other people. And, um, and the, it, when you're devalued, you become easy to manipulate and easy to control. When you understand your value, how many know you're not going to be manipulated or controlled? When you embrace your worth, you wash what's worthless out of your life. And so the Lord starts giving examples of your value because how many know the kingdom brings value to you? If you're Jesus' righteousness, then you should, no one should be able to intimidate you. Can I get an amen? No one, how I many know someone, praise God, we're children of God. No one should have the ability to intimidate you. No one is any better than you. Can you get an amen? Like, we got to put our shoulders back and understand who we are and not allow our confidence to be built in anything other than Jesus. So he starts building value. He says, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. So it's like these birds, they're not operating in wisdom. If they have a bad day, they die. They can't sow, they can't reap, they can't gather. Start putting all these things in position. And he says, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than the birds? Amen. I mean, this world will try to attack your value. Not pretty enough, not skinny enough, not smart enough, not strong enough, not talented enough, not enough, not enough, not enough, not enough. Push back from all that. Embrace Jesus as your righteousness. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a child of God. I'm created in the image of God. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. You say what God has said about you. Don't compare yourself with other people trying to find your value in competition. You're not competing against other people for value. Can't get an amen. You're not competing against other people. So anyway, so then he goes on to say, which of you by worrying? He starts laying out worrying again. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Amen. And so we're, now, we're not, now we're not just talking about things. We're talking about stature. We're talking about people's opinion of you. Talking to, and so, how I many know oh, that's not the kingdom? That's not the kingdom. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to a statue? So why do you worry about clothing and gas prices and all of these things? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is sown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore do not worry. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What are we going to do? What's going to happen? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. How many know that is their priority? Stature and stuff. Shouldn't be your priority. Stature and stuff, not the priority of the children of God. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Let the kingdom be first. What does that mean? Righteousness. Peace and joy. See, when you, as you begin to embrace the fact that you're the righteousness of God and really realize it, favor surrounds you as a shield. Blessing is drawn to you, attracted to you. When, you, when, you have a, when you're under guilt and condemnation, there's an expectation of judgment. 
There's an expectation of punishment. Amen. How I many you know what you fear will meet you halfway? I mean, these are just realities. And so the enemy is always trying to bring your heart into a state of heart attack to get your heart condemning itself so that you're afraid, so that you're expecting punishment. And then when punishment comes, the enemy's like, see, here's hard evidence why God's not for you. Here's hard evidence about why God's not, not with you and not blessing you. So rather than you seeing the storm as something that you and God stand together against, you see the storm as something that's coming from God. How miserable is that? Makes me so mad. The devil's such a punk. Because he makes people feel like these bad things are God's judgment against them. And if you think that God is against you, you can't have faith. You can't have confidence. You're like that soldier behind enemy lines with his hands tied with no support. And, and man, the Lord's speaking to, the, to His people to, to, to come out. Take the grave clothes off. I mean, you know, Lazarus was raised from the dead, alive, and he was still bound by grave clothes. But he was alive in there, but he needed the grave clothes come off. Well, there are children of God that are, that are raised from the dead, that have been made the righteousness of God, but they're bound with condemnation. They're bound with, with, with bad teaching on whether they're right with God or not. And the Lord is saying, come out, be free. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Amen? And He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What, what, is, what is that saying? When the kingdom is present, worry is not. When the kingdom is present, worry is not. When I know that I'm right with God, I don't have to be worried. Amen? Let me give you an example of this. Here recently, um, we Lily's been just p- perfect the whole time, right? But then one night, we um, she was just crying a lot, and we had all eaten something that disagreed with us. And how I many you know when Mama eats it, the baby eventually eats it too, right? And so she was crying. She was up. <clears throat> she's using the bathroom a lot. She was upset, and all of a sudden, we look down. Her belly button is oozing and protruding, like there's a hernia there, right? And so, you know, there are many battles that we all face, but man, when something comes against your kids, it's a different type of battle. And, and so, you know, because how many know we'd rather go through it than our kids go through it? And so there we are. Now here's the thing. Now it's time for the rubber to meet the road in the sermon. You follow me? I don't want just head knowledge Christianity. I don't want just punching a time card. I want something that works at the house when things are going crazy. And so as we were laying in bed, and we were so, and then we, we took her downstairs and we looked at her, her little belly button, it was all raised, it was all weird, you know, and it was pussing, you know. And I did, you know, what any wise person would do. I Googled it. <laughs> I know 10 people's house explodes when this happens. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. And so the, con- so the conclusion was, because how I many you know all fear is trying to come? All fear, all worry, all concern. But here's the thing. Now this may be happening, but am I right with God? I sure am. And if I am the righteousness of God, then the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So now, in this moment of trial... I can't with a fine tooth comb and a, a, 
be scouring my life to see if I'm worthy to have my prayer answered. If the enemy can take you into that realm, he's going to kick your butt every time. Because if we weigh ourselves in the balances, none of us are worthy. We're just not. But see, who's being weighed? Who's, being, who's on trial right now? Jesus is. Not me. Not me. I'm in Christ. Can I get an amen? You have to understand that. The blood is on trial right now. Do I have a right to go to the throne room of grace to attain help in time of need? Yes, I do. I have a right to. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we stand up. We take authority over this thing. We don't allow fear to drive us to the emergency room. Not saying there's not a time to go to the emergency room because there is a time to go to the emergency room. Okay, so don't don't take this one. How many know each situation is different? You got to be led by the Spirit of God. Can I get an amen? You're not walking according to somebody else's faith or their relationship with God. You got to do what God tells you to do. Can I get an amen? Very important to do that, man. And so, because this is not an exaltation of Jeremiah Johnson, this is an exaltation of Jesus Christ. That's how a true testimony happens, amen. And so, so anyway, and so we we just you know it's and all of these all of this starts coming to my spirit, like while all this is going on, we lay back down in bed and I start writing all this down, because the Lord starts ministering to me when you know that you're right with me, you don't worry doesn't have to overtake you. Like I wrote all this stuff. That, what I'm preaching right now is the notes I wrote at 3 o'clock in the morning when we're going through all this. Because the Lord started ministering righteousness to my heart. I mean, like, you don't have to worry and you don't have to be afraid because you're right with me. Covenant. Covenant, that's right. And so, get up the next day, take her in, you know, to the doctor to get it checked out and to see what's going on. And, you know, they take a look at it and they, they tell us that, you know, that it's okay, that it's nothing to be worried about, nothing to be concerned about. And, but it was still raised, and it was still big. But, but today, you can't tell there's anything wrong whatsoever. It's not raised at all. There's no oozing. There's no pus. There's no hernia. There's nothing. Her little belly button's just perfect. <clears throat> but, but what I want to show you is that in those moments of trial, I can't hold on to anything of me. That anything that I have built or I have created. That's self-righteousness. In those moments of trial, you have to hold on to Jesus and His righteousness. Because here's the thing, there's no cracks in Jesus' armor. Like the enemy, how I many of Jesus said the enemy comes, but he has nothing in me? So when you're standing in a trial, the kingdom will assure you that you have a right for victory. The kingdom will. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. But so many times we've been taught, well, I need to examine myself. I need, to, I need to look at me and how did I open the door to this and what did I do and I let this in and this is a generational thing and this is that and this is that and this is that. Man, flush all that crap down the toilet. Put your eyes on Jesus. Did anybody that Jesus healed while He walked the earth, were any of them even saved? None of them were saved. They were wicked, unrighteous, spiritually dead people and they still received. Every single one of them. So how much more shall the children of God who are mid-right with God have a right to every provision that God has given to us? Can I get an amen? But we've been taught to look at ourselves in times of crisis. Don't look at yourself. Look at Jesus. Train yourself to look at Jesus. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto us. As we grow confident in the fact that we're right with God, our faith will flourish. 
Are y'all tracking me here? Amen. Uh, and I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures for the sake of time. But it says in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14, it says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having you put on the breastplate of righteousness. You know what guards your heart? The fact that you're right with God. That's what guards your heart. If the enemy can penetrate that breastplate of righteousness, now he can't get through Jesus' blood, but, but what he can do is he can get through our understanding of it. How I many you know there are wonderful people who think God's against them? Christians who think God's against them. Many of them, because they're not taught properly. They don't have a, they don't have a proper diet. And so, how I many you know the devil will kill will, will still kill and destroy everyone that he can. I, we had a gentleman minister here a few years ago, and uh, he's a good friend of mine. He's out of Alabama, and his dad killed himself because he thought that every day he was either going to heaven or going to hell based upon his conduct. How I many you know there are whole branches of the body of Christ that teach that garbage? And so here they are, it's like walking over a... I mean, how is that a loving father, man? Walking over the chasm of hell or heaven based on what I do on a daily basis. It was too much pressure. His dad took his life. He couldn't handle it. I mean, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. Listen, either Jesus did it or we have to do it. There are no in-betweens. Amen? How many know Jesus was a success? And so... We build up that breastplate of righteousness to protect our heart by hearing the gospel. You keep hearing it and you keep hearing it and receiving the abundance of grace, receiving the gift of righteousness, building up this strong hold of righteousness to where my heart's protected. So 3 o'clock in the morning when my baby girl's belly button is oozing and looks like it's herniated, the devil can't come and tell me that this is something that I did and caused to happen. The devil can't come and condemn me. He can't rob me of my faith because he has no rights. He is not invited to your life. He's been dismissed. He has no right to your life. He's not. The accuser of the brethren has been stripped of all authority. Now listen, there's a time when he had authority. Before Jesus, before Jesus stripped him of all authority, he had authority. You know what gave him the authority? The law. The law, the law gave him the ability to condemn. Because it was based upon God's justice. I mean, God's justice is a real thing. God is a just God. Right is right and wrong is wrong. Sin's not sweeped under the rug when great sin was dealt with on the cross. You have to understand that. The reason the enemy had a right to condemn is because when people failed the law, then he had a right to come in and condemn them. That's what he did. The most interesting statement is made in the Old Testament concerning David. Because you don't hear a lot about the devil in the Old Testament. Only a couple places do you hear about it. But when David made all those mistakes with Bathsheba and all the mistakes that he made, the Bible says that the Lord said, He said through the prophet, Nathan, thank you. He said, your mistake has given great occasion for the Lord's enemies to, to, to run their mouth. Because, I mean, you know, Satan came up and said, David deserves to die. Because he did. And how many know David wasn't under grace? David was under the law. And how many know there was death as a result of David's transgression? Now thank God, God's mercy preserved David's life, but there was tremendous death because sin had not been taken care of yet. And the, it gave the enemy the right to condemn. 
The enemy used to have the right to condemn. That's, he used to have the ability to do that. He's a prosecuting attorney. He's the accuser of the brethren. But at the cross, he was stripped. And the handwriting of ordinances that was against us was nailed to the cross. The law is no longer a legal device in the devil's hands. So the only thing he can do is lie. He can just make you think God's against you. And make you think that God's not for you or that God's disappointed in you or, all, or any of that. I'm just telling you, man, get, get, get fired up. <laughs> get, let righteous indignation rise up on the inside of you. Condemn the tongues of judgment that arise against you. You condemn them. Out of your mouth. When the devil tries to... And see, he's never going to come and at, from the third person perspective, I'm the devil, I'm the devil, and you're bad. It'd be great if he did. It'd make life easier, wouldn't it? <clears throat> he doesn't. He comes in your voice to condemn you. That's the way he comes. First person. Shoot that little fiery dart. Well, the reason this is happening to my little girl is I got mad at that dog so many daggone times. <laughs> I lost my peace so many times. How many of you he'll find anything he can to condemn you with? The dog is in obedience school right now. He's been there for about a week. It's real peaceful in the home right now. It really is. Like the stress level has went down like 20 notches, man. Praise God. Amen. No, he's gone for two weeks. It's gone for two weeks. They send me pictures. Just let me know he's still alive. <laughs> yeah, no, he's gone for two weeks. The guy was a super nice guy. I think I'm going to get a chance to witness to this guy, actually, because uh, I connected with him when I was there. And so, yes, amen. I, I do. I feel like I'm going to be able to talk to this guy about Jesus, the dog trainer. <laughs> In this guy's house. <laughs> well, he told me he's been doing this for eight years. He said, out of 100 dogs... 92 of them will be trained. Wow. So he said most dog because it's a German Shepherd style of training, but he said there are eight out of a hundred. I said, Lord God, please don't let, my, don't let my dog, don't let my dog be that dog, you know. I mean, oh, praise the Lord. But but how many know something as simple and even potentially foolish as getting mad at the dog or getting mad in traffic or getting mad at somebody? How I many know the enemy will try to use that little thing to destroy your faith? To be like, you're not good enough. You know, you're you're not you you. God's disappointed in you. And 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 turn turn to um, turn to First John, and we'll close because I want to I want to address this specifically here real quickly. <clears throat> when you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, you re, you remove the enemy's ability to make you worry. You remove the enemy's ability to make you worry. You remove the enemy's ability to make you fearful and all of these things because you have something very solid. You have something more solid than your own obedience. You have something more solid than your own conduct. You have something more solid than you. It's Jesus Christ. And I'll read you this. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse 7. I'll read this to you. It says, By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left hand. Do you see where righteousness protects you? In a time of trial, the breastplate of righteousness, the armor of righteousness, it's protecting you from the fiery darts of the wicked one. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20, 
it says, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. See, your heart can be condemning you when God is not. If your heart is condemning you, you don't have any faith. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? If your heart is condemning you, it's like, it's like saying, weapons, prosper against me. I mean, you know, Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon will prosper against you. Um, how does it go? I can't believe I can't remember it. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. If any tongue of judgment rise against you, you shall condemn it. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, the righteousness is of me. So, when I don't know that my righteousness is from the Lord, there's an empowerment of the enemy's attack. I mean, you know, in the time of trial, once again, who's on trial? Is it you? No. It's your Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus that's on trial. Let Jesus take the heat. Let Jesus be the armor. Let Jesus be the Savior. Let Jesus handle it. Because check it out. There are going to be times when you did mess it up. When it is your fault. And the repercussions you're dealing with is because of what you did. <clears throat> but here's the thing. Was it paid for on the cross? So you know what that means? That means see, the, the, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver them out of them all. I mean, you know, God's going to deliver you even when you mess it up. He better. I mean, like, we better have this promise. Because, I mean, you know, we mess it up. <clears throat> you don't have to throw your confidence out of the window when you were a fool. <laughs> you don't have to throw your confidence out of... How many of the nature of salvation is that you get saved? You get rescued. You get help. Now listen, I'm not encouraging you to be a fool. I'm not encouraging you to be an idiot. How many of bad decisions get bad results? Period. But when you mess it up, God will still come in there and clean you up and fix you and help you. And then He'll give you wisdom so you don't have to do it again. But if you do do it again, He's still going to rescue you. But I mean, I mean, know that eventually God wants to get wisdom to you so that you don't end up in the pit. Are y'all tracking me here? Deliverance. How many of the principal things wisdom? It really is. The ultimate deliverance is not a miracle. Ultimate deliverance is hearing what God tells you to do. It really is, man. I mean, praise God for miracles. Praise God for the rescue. But I'd rather have the wisdom to where I'm not in the situation. And that's about being fathered. That's what, that's what, the, that's what God does to you. He fathers you. I mean, that means loving you, protecting you, and correcting you. You need correction. You know, we all need it. We're being fathered. We're not condemned, though. When you understand the righteousness of God, you can actually handle correction because you know your identity is not on trial. In fact, God's saying the, the reason you shouldn't do that is that's not who you are. You're actually, this is who you are. Are you all tracking me here? Correction feels good when you know that you're the righteousness of God because it get, actually you develop a taste for wisdom. How many of you a fool has no taste for wisdom? If you try to correct a fool, they immediately feel condemned and they try to self-justify. Because, they're, because their identity is based on what they do. I, I used to coach a lot, and it's hard to coach a, someone who's foolish. Because <laughs> you can't teach them nothing. Can you? Can you, you can't teach a fool thing, can you? What do they got to do? Hard knocks. When you're done, <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> but you keep on rolling the way that you're rolling. And then, I mean, how I many you know foolishness sometimes 
take some time to, to leave. Amen. Take some time to come out. Uh, but God, uh, in, his, in the kingdom and in His righteousness, you can handle correction because your identity is not being attacked. Are y'all tracking me here? That's kind of a side note. But um, it says, if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. This is the place of faith. This is the place of faith. When you, when you know that you're the righteousness of God and you know that God is for you, listen to me, even in the storm. How many know that's the one place you need to know God's with you in the storm? You know when you need to know God's with you? When you've fallen. When you fail. We've done a horrible job at teaching Christians that God's still for them after they fall. We haven't done that well. Because in the kingdom, it's like, you better hide your fall. Because if you don't hide it properly, then the Christians are going to come kill you. <laughs> They're going to put knives in you like blood in the water. <clears throat> but the reality is, is that even in the midst of your fall, how many of God's still for you? If God's not for you when you fall, then what kind of God do you have? I mean, that's, I mean he said, I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother. How many of God's for you when you fall? And if you'll know that, you won't stay in the fall long. You'll rise up out of the failure. You'll rise up out of the, out of the temptation. But ending here, priorities. What's your number one priority? The kingdom and His righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. It'll stop you from being worried. Amen? How I many of everything that can be shaken will be shaken right now? But the kingdom is not shaken. So let's latch on to something that can't be shaken. What is your connection point to the kingdom? Jesus and His righteousness. You need to know in the days ahead that you're the righteousness of God. Amen? And um, I think next week we're going to talk about that in more of a practical sense in, how, uh, in Romans chapter 10 where we, we confess our righteousness. Speaking it out of your mouth. Unto salvation. Amen? There's so much power in that. And we, we, we teach a lot about the concept, at least around here, but I want to give you some practical application that you get. I mean, you got to get skilled at this and good at this. Because you know, at three o'clock in the morning, when when Lily's belly button was like all big and and all that, I need to know I'm the righteousness of God. I need to say out of my mouth, I'm the righteousness of God, because the attack is going to be on whether God's for me or not. The attack is never is God powerful enough. The attack is is God going to be powerful enough for me. And, and the answer is yes, because all the promises in Jesus are yes and amen. Can I get an amen here? It's in Him. It's in Him. And then you're going to have times, you know, how many of there are ups and downs and there are bumps and there are times when things didn't happen the way you wanted them to happen? Don't stop trusting the Lord. Seriously. Don't, just because something didn't happen the way you wanted it to happen or deliverance didn't happen, don't stop trusting the Lord. That's much, that, that, and that's an element of maturity there. There are things that you don't understand. Amen. How many others free will on the earth? How many of you don't have the ability to control the decisions that other people make? When you get to the other side, you're going to find out that God was way better than what you thought. You're going to find out time and time again where He delivered you, where He saved you. You couldn't figure out why that door shut. God shut that door because He loved you. That door didn't open because He loved you. Can I get an amen? How many know if we got everything we wanted the moment that we prayed it, we'd be spoiled rotten. And we'd have zero maturity. <clears throat> Can I get an amen? 
You ever see a child that gets everything they want the second that they want it? That child's not set up for life because life don't work like that. Are you tracking me here? How many know a part of your relationship with God is you don't get the way, things the way you wanted them to happen? And you're going to have to just be okay with that <laughs> and trust Him anyway. You know, how many know you're not going to figure God out? You're not going to understand everything. You know, and there are times when we, we put it, we just say, Lord, I don't understand this, but I trust you. Can I get an amen? See, what you don't want to do is become bitter and offended towards God. That's what the enemy's trying to do. Trying to get you bitter and offended. You got to forgive the Lord for things that you don't understand. Seriously. I mean, I, I had a period of time, when, you know, when I went through all the stuff that I went through in legalism and all that, and I walked away from all that, I lost everything. Lost my position, lost any type of employment, lost my name, lost my friends, lost everything, lost my house, had to move into my mother's basement. And I'd served the Lord with all my heart for 14 years. And I had a, and I, I mean, I lost, I couldn't eat, I lost weight. I mean, it was just, everything was attacked. You know, and it was like, you know, one of those Job moments. Cur- curse God and die. <laughs> you know, it was kind of the, kind of where it was at. And um, and there was a fight. And there was a t- period of time where I was mad at God. I was mad. I was bitter. I was angry. I didn't understand. And I yelled and I ran my mouth. You know, but eventually, thank God, I passed the poison. In the offense, I forgave those that hurt me and I didn't hold it against God because I didn't understand why it happened. And you know, today I'm healthy. Come up my heart. I'm, I'm happy and I'm thankful. Do I understand why all that happened? No. I really don't. I really don't. I've, I've tried to figure it out and I really don't. I don't think I'm capable of understanding it. <clears throat> but you know what? I'm not called to understand it. You know what I'm called to? I'm called to love. That's what, that's what God asked me to do. He said, just be loved, receive my love, and love. Forgive those people that hurt you. Okay. You know what? I'm happy. <laughs> but if I'd have held on to all that and that poison and that bitterness and that offense and I'd want to be vindicated and I stayed mad at God, my heart would not be, I wouldn't be well. Are y'all tracking me here? How many of there's an element of trust that's there? Lord, I don't understand all this, but, but, but I trust you. I trust you. And you know, and what I have found is that he'll work all those things together for good. Now, you know what a big portion of my ministry is? Ministering to people that have been through that. Not necessarily, like in this church, we've all been through that, and I minister to you guys, but you guys, many of you are farther along in this walk, and you're healing from all this, and you're in a better places than what you were. But I minister to people all over the country who've come through this stuff you know, calling them on the phone and counseling them and stuff like that. And I can help these people because they don't have to be alone in coming out of that. And so my place of greatest misery and destruction has become my place of greatest ministry. Are, are y'all tracking me here? Because God takes what the enemy meant for evil and He turns to good. So whatever hell you've been through, that's where you're going to minister. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you were addicted to drugs or addicted to pornography or addicted to lying or cheating or stealing or fearful or full of worry or anxiety or depressed or, you know, cutting or anorexia or had an abortion or 
dealt with homosexuality or, or, or whatever that's in that place that God's going to use you. Because where the enemy meant shame, God's going to turn it for good. And God's going to restore double honor for you in that place. Just hold on to Jesus as the deliverance happens. Because if you, just, if you hold on to Jesus as your righteousness, you will be delivered and you will be changed. Just don't let go of Him and start embracing condemnation as you walk through the place of, of victory. Because how I many you know deliverance can take time? It can take time. Don't set yourself on somebody else's timetable. Different fruits produce trees at different times. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. If you're struggling with something, embrace Jesus as your righteousness and know that it's going to pass. It's going to pass. Amen. You know, in another area that I minister to people a whole lot, I don't know why I'm talking about this, but I am, it's pornography. So many men are, are trapped in pornography and they can't get free. Christian men are trapped in pornography and they can't get free. And God set me free from that. And the key element, the kingdom. Jesus and His righteousness. If you can't embrace Jesus as your... I mean, you know, that's shame, it's a shameful thing. It's different than like someone getting mad at their dog or you know, someone, uh, whatever. It's like this thing that tries to be full of shame. Uh, but how many know Jesus Christ despised the shame and took all sin on the cross? Can I get an amen? And there's delay. And so I try to minister to these guys and talk to them and walk them through it. If they can keep hold of Jesus as their righteousness, that addiction will fall off of their life. If they can keep confessing that they're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and they keep embracing Jesus as their righteousness, that thing will fall off their life and it'll become a place of testimony and not a place of, of, of pain. I don't care what you're struggling with. If you can keep hold of Jesus as your righteousness, I mean, you know, the kingdom's stronger than any addiction. Anything. It's stronger than anything. Just don't let go. Amen? And so, <clears throat> amen. Thank you, Lord. But there's an element of trust, and I'm, I'm just going to finish, trying to, trying to shut up. So, uh, I want to finish this passage in context, though, because there are things that are said here that people don't understand. It says, let me read it for you. I'm closing right here. For if, for if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God's. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments. See, Jeremiah, we've got to keep His commandments. There it is. It's something you've got to do in order to receive. Let's read all of it. Because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave His commandment. See, it comes back to faith. When I believe properly, if I believe in Jesus, I mean, my believing in Jesus means that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. It means that God loves me. And now as I believe in Jesus and that my sin's been taken care of, then I'm the righteousness of God. I receive that love. And how many know that love starts to flow out of me? That's the new covenant right there. Amen. So anyway, I just wanted to, I wanted to finish that. So praise God. Amen. Priorities. Let, let, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. It'll set you free from worry. 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 Don't be worried! That's not our part. It doesn't fit on you. You're not created to worry. You're created to trust. Amen? And don't fight that in your own strength and your own willpower. Just embrace Jesus as your righteousness. And we're going to look at that next week and do it from a very practical sense. So, anyway, 
Praise God. So with that, uh, if anybody needs to give an envelope in here this morning, lift your hand up and we'll get one to you. Um, I'm not going to teach on the offering because I took a lot of time this morning. If you guys are giving online and you guys want to give into our church, gracepointgeorgetown.com. Uh, if anybody wants to give into the concrete, just put concrete on there and we'll put all of that towards the concrete. Um, amen. And we do have children's church now. We're going to have children's church every week. <clears throat> amen. And then we're also going to start having fellowship again and eating food and hanging out and being outside and enjoying the, the weather. So thank God for that, man. We're super thankful for that. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You know, we do have midweeks. We have a midweek Zoom meeting on Thursday nights that you guys can join into. It's actually really flourishing and doing well. We, we have people from all over the country in that meeting, and uh, it's just a, it's a Bible study, and uh, we just line up online. And it's not a monologue. It's a discussion, like we talk. It's not just me talking. We're all sharing and talking. If you guys are interested in being a part of that, please feel free to text me or message me or talk to me after service, and I'll put you on the... There's a texting group, and then there's also a, a Facebook messenger group, and uh, it's just a great uh, point of fellowship through the week. We keep it very punctual. We keep it one hour, so it's doable, um, and we can all do it because we're all busy with stuff. So, Father, I just I ask you to bless this offering, <clears throat> and uh, Lord, we just thank you. I just lift up your people unto you. Lord, I just speak a blessing over them. Lord, I thank you that they know who they are in Christ. They know they're the righteousness of God. And uh, Lord, if you're my watching online right now, and I just feel unction to do this, if you're watching right now and you've not received Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you're watching this and you're like, and why in the world did I watch this today? Why am I on here? Well, God just stopped me in the middle of this prayer because He's saying that you're watching this because He loves you and He wants to save you. And He wants to, um, he wants to give you the gift of His Son. And all you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord. You don't have to be in a church service. You don't have to be anywhere you can be sitting in your living room, staring at your phone, staring at your computer, your iPad, whatever. And the Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So just out of your mouth say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, that you were raised from the dead. That's all it is, man. That is the outstretched hand of salvation, is simply believing that, that he's the Son of God, that he died for your sins, and he was raised again from the dead. You believe that, you declare that, and then the new birth happens on the inside of you. This kingdom that I've been talking about all morning, it gets deposited into you. You become a part of the kingdom, you know, and you can get saved right now, you know. And if you want to get baptized and, you know, you live here locally, feel free to message me. Uh, if this was you, then feel free to message me on any of the platforms that we're on because we, we'd love to help you. But there is no greater miracle than receiving the gift of salvation. Hallelujah. I just felt like that was for somebody. So, so Lord, I just I lift up your people and I just speak a blessing over them. I just thank you they know who they are in Christ and that we grow in this revelation. And I thank you that the week ahead is a week filled with favor and blessing and the reality of how much you love them. And Lord, I thank you that your strength is made perfect in our weakness. We have moments of weakness, times of weakness, days of weakness, Lord, but your strength is more than enough. Lord, I thank you that we are receivers. We receive that strength. And Lord, we thank you for great days ahead. Lord, I thank you for opportunities to minister. Lord, that you would set up opportunities for people to speak the words of life into people, to love people, to help people, to shine, to be a light. Lord, that you have divine appointments already set up, Lord, to let your love flow through your people. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for great days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.